You're listening to The Doers Podcast, right here on The Doers Network. And now, here's your host, Donald Robinson II. Well, welcome everyone to The Doers Network. I'm your host, Donald Robinson II. And on the line, I have Mr. Amit Rathi, a developer, world-renowned, well-rounded young man, full of energy, full of intelligence, and just have a, has a bright spark about himself. And I'm glad that he's both a Bamboo member and a guest on the podcast. So, Amit, how are you doing? I am doing quite well. How about you? Oh, I'm doing well, man. Be as well as to be expected and just appreciate the, f- the fact that you're on the Doers Network podcast, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. I've listened to uh, all the episodes. Oh, excellent. Excellent. So those of you out there listening, please subscribe to the channel. Listen to all of the episodes. We have some, uh, we're getting a growing list of great people that have been on the interview. And Amit is our latest one as far as this podcast date. So make sure you listen close. He has a bunch of wisdom and great things to share. So let's get started. So Amit, um, what's your background of experience and what kind of business are you in? All right. Um, I'll try to keep this as a short answer, but I may turn this into a longer answer. Uh, so feel free to cut me off as, as needed. But uh, my background, um, I've always been interested in tech. Uh, I, As a teenager, the internet became more available to me. So uh, I got to discover a lot of websites and I was always curious about technology and the internet. And uh, so I pursued a... Um, education in uh, electrical and computer engineering at Wayne State. Um, During that time at school, I got to uh, get some research opportunity. I got to work on AR before AR was actually a viable thing. I got to work with Bluetooth and mobile apps. I got to learn all that kind of uh, uh, great, great stuff. And at that time, I had no background in programming. I just definitely was interested in the space. and fast forward to just a couple of years ago, I, uh, I ended up not finishing my, my degree. Uh, we can get into that in, uh, in a later question, but um, I chose to freelance as a Android developer, uh, which was where my main background was at the time. But as I was trying to find projects, uh, responsive websites, mobile, mobile responsive uh, websites were becoming a, a major thing. And so I started dabbling into the web uh, and ditched pretty much what I had known and had to relearn uh, things from the scratch. And so I've been working as a uh, full stack web developer. I've worked at two agencies in the past three and a half years. Um, I've worked on WordPress sites, non-WordPress sites. I've built mobile apps cross-platform iOS, Android. Uh, On the side, I've done some uh, work with Amazon Echo. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a programmer and I've been working in in the space for the last few years. Uh, And now I'm in the process of running my own show. I have an LLC that I've uh, co-founded with my brother and it's called the Moby Dev, short for the mobile developer. And the mission is to provide three services, consulting, development, and mentorship. Um, those three services kind of are the uh, pillars of 
the avenues of how I can help someone from whether they're just trying to come up with an idea and turn it into an actual viable product or they have an idea and they have funding and they just need the development to be done or they have the idea but are interested in learning how to do it but not sure how to get started. Uh, I have a big passion for teaching and so that's uh, another uh, part of the services that I try to offer. Well, that's awesome, man. I mean, that's, I mean, you have such a breadth of experience and, and that's key as a developer. You have a wide range of experience, which is great. So, you know, you have that, that experience. You can have those contracts. Well, I'm going to have to ask you out for a loan, man. Cause I mean, you're really going to be, <laughs> you're really going to be uh top notch very soon. Very soon. Try, try, trying to get to that point, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. I know. Now in terms of Moby Dev, what inspired you to create the LLC? So this kind of goes back to uh, my time at college, my final couple of years. So, you know, I wasn't the best college, college student. I wasn't uh, hardworking by any means. Uh, I pursued programming classes, but I was not a programmer. I struggled with so many concepts. Um, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't very performing in school. And, uh, but Fortunately, I was good with networking and talking to people, and so I landed research opportunities. So I worked in two different research labs. One of them, I got to work with medical robotics, and that's how I got to got introduced to AR before AR and Bluetooth were real components right. to mobile apps. Right. And then the other opportunity I had was actually working on Android development, where we worked with like Bluetooth, worked with like the motion sensors. Uh, they whole, uh, that whole research experience got me to uh, study abroad in China, where I got, I got to uh, study and build apps at a large scale. And uh, after that trip, when I came back, you know, I saw an opportunity. I saw that there's actually um, businesses, you know, people are, all, people are coming up with these app ideas, but they're really having trouble finding someone to build it. And I was in that I was in that place before I became a developer, before I got this opportunity. I was a guy that saw these problems, thought of ideas, but I had so much trouble trying to find someone to, that was passionate enough to build it. And because I didn't have the knowledge, I didn't have a developer that could just help me rapidly prototype. And so I worked with a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, small ideas that I was the guy that used to pitch for those ideas, but I wasn't the developer. And then once I realized, you know, I'm getting tired of having all these ideas and not being able to start on anything. Um, and so I chose to become a developer. And uh, I saw, I, I tried to take some classes, but I, you know, classes just weren't sticking for me. Yeah. And so, you know, I had uh, many phone calls with my parents and my brother trying to tell them like, you know, this is just, uh, I, this isn't working for me. I, I, I know I'm probably trying to take a, you know, I'm trying to take a shortcut, but I, if I could just get some heads down time to just teach myself, I could probably pick this stuff up because the classes are just not working for me. Right. And, you know, after, uh, before they didn't really know what I was doing. They apps still weren't getting popular at the time. Uh, this was like, you know, 2012, 2013. So smartphones were becoming a mainstream thing, but not everyone had one. Right. Um, and still apps were like, no one really understood what an app was. Right. Um, and so, you know, I felt like I was always talking like a little abstract or like alien, like, it, 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 you know, alien lingo to people. Sure. And uh, 
And so finally, you know, as everyone, uh, as people got more smartphones, they got more familiar with what mobile apps were and they started to become open to the idea that, oh, wow, this is actually something. And so, you know, I eventually just decided that, you know, school wasn't working out for me. I, uh, I had, uh, I always had like a itch for entrepreneurship. Maybe it's from being, you know, the immigrant background of seeing how much my family had to endure to get to where we are now. Yeah. Uh, so the, you know, the hustler is alive inside me and, and, and all, and all my family, like my siblings and just as our family, cause we've had, you know, we've had to work hard to get here. And so, uh, to me, I saw the best way to provide back was to just go for it. It was a little selfish because I know I could have tried to follow the, you know, orthodox approach to finishing the, the degree, try to get a job, the whole thing. But, you know, none of that just seemed to matter to me and it wasn't clicking. I just didn't see it for me. Uh, and so, you know, my brother, uh, was meeting someone for his taxes and he just messaged me. He's like, you know, if we, if we ran something, what would you call it? And I had a couple, I had a couple ideas at the time, but the Moby Dev became the main thing because again, at that time, re- mobile responsiveness was a big, big deal for uh, websites. Yep. And so that was my cutting edge was I, I cold called companies saying, Hey, your website just looks like crap on a phone. Can I uh, help you guys out? Yeah. And you know, that's, that's how I brought on businesses. And so that's how the Moby Dev became a, a, uh, a name because I wanted to condense the, the, the word, the yep. mobile developer into, yeah. a, you know, catchy phrase. Um, apparently everyone, whenever I say the Moby Dev, they think of the Moby Dick. And <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if there's a correlation to that, but maybe I'll spin something up with that kind of idea. Maybe I am chasing a whale. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, you know, um, or maybe you could say you're fishing for greatness. How about that? Exactly. Yeah. You know, like I, uh, maybe maybe that is how I spin it. But yeah. So you know, that's kind of how the Moby Dev came to came to be. My brother co-founded it. He's more on the finance side, the business side. Okay. His background's in. Uh, he's a pharmacist. But again, my family's always been uh, inclined in the entrepreneurial business side, just because our parents are just natural hustlers and that's just been ingrained into our, into our every being. Sure. Uh, and so that's, you know, that's how the business came to get, came to be and freelance for a year, figured things out. And one way or another, I got hired in at a company and free, uh, kind of worked full time the last two and a half, three years. Um, and as of Friday, I'm full time back into my business. Wow. That's wonderful, man. That is fantastic. That's a fantastic story. And I'm, um, commend you i commend you for taking that leap because you've done what 90 percent of the people out there are either scared to do or don't want to do um it's it's a tough business and being an entrepreneur but it's well worth the reward if you do it and plan right and get the right idea and get the right customer base and i think you're on the way with moby dev i mean it's just a very i mean it's a very unique niche uh because you're touching people who either don't have the time or don't have the resources to go into developing a mobile version of their website and that's that's become the hottest bed now is mobile and, and you're not just mobile you're talking about not just cell phones but you're talking about tablets you know smaller size computers all that stuff that goes into the mobile development and uh the one question i had for you too is how how did you get involved with android development as opposed to apple or you know with, with microsoft or anything like that how, how did you get involved with android so 
so that kind of goes to like how I got into research overall. Uh, you know, in the hindsight, uh, the biggest biggest reason is because I had an Android phone and not an iPhone. Yeah. Uh, so it, that was like prob- that's probably like the the simple answer. But uh, I mean, the way I got it's because of the research opportunities that I got, and because Android was open source at the time versus uh, versus what uh, Apple development was. Apple development was still not like an open platform. Right. And so for college universities, you know, we're getting grant money, but the grant money doesn't really cover getting like a MacBook. The grant money covers like getting getting basic Android phones and stuff like that because it was just cheaper. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that was the main criteria. But, you know, like the way I got the research opportunity itself uh, was it's more of an interesting story because, uh, you know, uh, what I was told to do, like from my, my siblings, was get into research as a college student. Uh, and so what I did is I walked around my college of engineering uh, department I, one, one afternoon as a freshman in college. And I walked around all these uh, professors' doors looking at, like, they all had, like, plaques in front of the doors. And uh, each one kind of described, like, something that they're doing outside of just being a professor. Yeah. And one of them, one of them, like, looked like an actual research lab. And, you know, I was so nervous, but... I was like, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? They're going to tell me no. Um, Because all I did is I just go in there and I just said, hey, I'm a college student, freshman, zero zero hands-on experience, but looking for that. And it's hard for me to pick like what aspects of engineering I like without getting hands-on experience. And so I was invited to volunteer in that lab. And that's how, you know, I got involved in research throughout my undergrad experience. But like, you know, it's all because I just went in and just asked. Yeah. And I tried, someone has asked me before, like, how did I do that? And I explained them the story and, you know, they asked me, oh, can you, can, can you set them up with a research opportunity? And I was like, just go into the department and ask them for an opportunity. Like, it's really not that difficult because again, the worst thing they can say is no. Right. And, and I guess for me, like, I'm not afraid of that because yeah, you know, I'll, I'll bounce back one way or another. All right. So it sounds like obviously somebody said yes, right? Yeah, yes, they gave me the opportunity. They told me to volunteer, uh, just show up at their lab. Uh, two months later, they're like, hey, you should apply for this grant and get into this research opportunity. And uh, they, they helped me out with applying for the grant. And I, I, got, uh, I, I got some grant money, got to meet the um, governor of uh, Michigan at the time. It was Granholm. Yep. Um, I, you know, I, I got involved in so much and just in that process and it's because I volunteered, but that turned into getting some actual extra funds for college. And from there, you know, I already had like a reputation in college as like the student that was good at research or, you know, like I was well known in terms of getting research opportunities. And so from that lab, I was able to go to another lab that was more into the like cloud and server stuff, the internet thing. Uh, It was called like a cloud and computing uh, lab and they were all about working with big data and they already had like a developer that was working on an Android app and I took over that project. And so, yeah, that's how I got into Android development. Um, it helped that I had an Android phone at the time. Um, so, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much how I got into it. Well, that is awesome, man. I mean, that is just a great story. And being able to take charge of your life and take charge of your future, that's more than an accomplishment by itself, man. I really uh, 
really, really, I'm happy for you. I'm glad that it was able to work out for you because a lot of times when people try things don't doesn't work, they quit. But it just sounds like you from the start had a a good channel of focus and be able to create your own path in a much more, I would say, faster and more efficient manner than than most. You know, because most entrepreneurs are like they're trying to find a way through it. They they find successes by accident. You know what I mean? And I'm glad that you were able to go on ahead and focus and really carve yourself a, a, a great niche for, you know, something that's well needed. I mean, because small businesses to large corporations and nonprofits need presence on the web, especially through mobile development. I mean, because everybody has a website and now it's to the point where you have to have a responsive, friendly mobile version of your website so people can quickly access it. Cause as most, as more people across the globe get mobile devices, tablets, you know, smartphones and, and what have you, you know, you have to have something accessible for them to eat and easy to use. And you, you have that experience to be able to develop that. And it sounds like you developed that in a very quick, in a very uh, rapid fashion. You're, you're, you're quick to market with folks, which is good, you know? Yeah, uh, no, uh, that's, that's what I try to be. And uh, uh, honestly, it's not like it's a full success story in the sense uh, each project, I have more failures than I have projects that have gone well. Sure. You know, each of those opportunities that I talk about, they were great, but you know, I was way, I was in over my head in each opportunity, but it's because I was hungry enough that I like, you know, I was able to get the opportunity, but you know, that's when I realized, man, I have a lot to learn, right? Like, it's not like just snapping my finger and I can pick things up. I really gotta, I, I gotta learn. And you know, most of those projects didn't go as well as I wanted them to go. Yeah. However, that experience, was really what I carry with me. You know, I think, I think back is like, yeah, what if one of those projects actually went successful? My, my entire career could have been completely different, but in a, in a, in a sense, I'm really glad that things didn't work out the way that they could have. Yeah. And, you know, through, through constant failures, right? Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not even trying to make it uh, like exaggerate. I literally like, you know, failure after failure after failure from, not only just the research projects to when I tried to freelance, I took on projects, realized I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know the business. I didn't know the process. I thought people would just like, Hey, I, I need a website or I need an app. Okay. I'll just get, I'll just start coding away, not realizing design strategy, branding, you know, I didn't think about the whole, whole suite of the operations that go in, involved to an actual app or like, you know, a product or business that, you know, I had to learn those things on my own. And, like unfortunately the people uh people who took the leap of faith with me didn't get their product the way that they wanted to however in the same sense through all that i got to learn so much of the process so much of what what i need to know you know i knew what i knew yeah. but i also discovered what i didn't know and figure out how to focus on what's worth my time to learn. What do I need a team member for, you know, those types of stuff. And uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, several years down the line now, right? Like I'm, I'm talking about this after four or five years now. Yeah. And I'm finally feeling like I got a grasp of what it is the business needs to be and what, what it is that I can do versus what I need help in, and, and, and whether it's a team, whether it's just another person, you know, those, those types of stuff that it just took this long to get there, but you know, I'm, I'm still sustaining. Right. Yeah. Well, see, the thing is, is that 
even though you may not have had like many write off material success, like you know, the first the first customer you hit with, all oh, you now you're having a big budget. But the thing is, the 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 successes are it's like broken up into fragments and hidden behind the failure. So it's like it creates a unique experience for you because even though it may it, it's termed as a failure in the in the carnal sense, I mean, if you're looking at it on the outside, yeah, it's a failure. However. It's a success because, first of all, clients took a chance on you. That's already a success story. Second success is even though the product may not have worked, you learned something from that and developed yourself even more. So the next time you were more experienced with it, and that's that's how you grow. I mean, it's really about growth. Um, And I think a lot of people struggle with that, whether you be entrepreneur and even if you're working a corporate or nonprofit job or a government job, the growth, the personal growth is the most essential piece to all of that. And I think the the more open you are to your personal growth, the better your chances for success. And I don't think that a lot of things you hear out in the world and in the media stress stress that point of it. They they always harp on the actual success, the fact that this company became a billion dollar valuation, or you know the the CEO is now a billionaire and all the other those. That's the unicorns in the haystack. But the haystack is there's many people out here like yourself who are successful in their own right because they took a chance and because they grew because they knew more about themselves during the process. You know, entrepreneurship to me is a process. It's not just about a career or a business you own as a, it, cause it's like, a, that's a lot more like occupation, but entrepreneurship is a, is a culture and it, it, it teaches you, it really teaches you the, the gut level about yourself. I mean, you know, you have to look at your gut and say, look, either I'm going to deal with this or not. And, and it takes, a lot of courage, you know, you learn courage, you learn more about who you are, what you like and don't like. And that's what makes it all unique. Um, and then being here in Detroit in the Michigan area, you know, we have more to prove than anybody else. And, you know, it's more about you proving to yourself that you can be you can get it done and you can do something for the world to see. And, you know, we, you're, you're on that path along with several others. But your story is different from everybody else because it's you and your business is centered around your personality and who you are. And that makes it even more poignant and more unique and more about you and your own success because you have your own path to carve and you're walking the path. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate those words. That, um, that is how I would summarize that these, these past couple of years, you know. Yeah. I don't look back and regret anything I've made besides, yeah, sure, I wish things worked out. But at the same time, you know, I rolled with the punches and I've been able to grow as a developer, as an entrepreneur, and um, through that whole process that like now, you know, uh, now that I'm trying to do this again, I learned from so many mistakes. I've learned from the jobs that I've had and seen success stories and what worked, what didn't. And so I'm really excited to just try this again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So then and going into that, um, we talked a lot bit earlier about your background and growing up. So what led you to say, I'm going to put my stake in the ground in Detroit and I'm going to set myself down in the center of heart of all the action in Detroit and make myself known. How, how did you come to make that decision? Um, okay. So uh, my family uh, moved to Michigan about 15 years ago. If I did the math correctly in my head, um, yeah, about 15 years ago, we, we my family traveled a lot, and uh, we ended up in Detroit. Uh, this was as a as a teenager, and both my older brother and sister went to Wayne State. And during that time, 
you would not see this many people. There were barely any running businesses. Uh, honestly, I had no interest in being in Detroit. Uh, I always uh, fascinated about going to California yeah. uh, as an engineer. That was the whole goal, like get my degree, go to California and not look back. That was, that was the plan. And um, I, uh, as I was going through school, we had a lot of like career fairs and uh, a lot of events happen. And I got, uh, I got to learn that there's a lot of stuff going on in Detroit, um, you know, investments and uh, businesses are starting to open up. And, and so interested with that. And then I ended up going to California for a little while uh, just to visit friends and just see what's, what's out there. And, you know, working in that high pressure environment is, is interesting it's yeah. insane it it shows you like you really got to work fast uh yep. and fast is not fast enough but what i what i took from that is coming back to detroit uh, we're still not up to those uh level uh like the standards of technology over there we're not in that high pressure environment so i saw that there was an opportunity to take what i learned up there uh, or down there, I guess, and bring it to Detroit, yeah. but in my own way, because there's still an opportunity. There's a lot of businesses that are still in a slower process. Um, and, and so fortunately I saw that, like, that's where uh, Detroit was starting to become a tech hub with all these, this investment coming in and, you know, more people are turning, starting to learn code and this big tide just happened. And, uh, once I got more educated about that and saw that, like, you know, Detroit has the potential to be the next tech hub, uh, I, I decided that instead of focusing on going to a place that's so polluted with entrepreneurs and developers and everything, I'd rather stay in Detroit first, own this city before I think about going to the next one, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah. And then, um, so, so, go ahead, go ahead. So, so, uh, so basically, that I mean, that's that's pretty much like how I've stayed focused in Detroit. Just also just talking to people. You know, there's a different culture here than anywhere else. And so, to me, it's not just about like make you know making making a business and just being successful for myself. But there's a lot of people that also deserve deserve that help. And so, I'd rather be more tied to Detroit the Detroit community than any, anywhere else right now. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So in your observation, what makes the Detroit culture different than anywhere else? Oh, that's, that's a tough question. Uh, you know, so I'm fortunate to have been able to travel a lot from my family to uh, vacations and other trips like that. So I've gotten to meet a lot of different people. And um, I think the difference with Detroit is it's more so the history of being, you know, being the, uh, the city with, of the big three, the motor city, uh, like going from that to what happened and them still trying to figure it out. Cause obviously the big three is not going to sustain the city anymore. Um, and them starting to realize they got to expand their, their industries and to be able to keep the city alive. Uh, I think that's caused a, change of mentality yep. where people were trying to do the same thing but realize that's not working and that's that's how you're going to go that's gonna that's how you're going to go broke yep. and so just seeing that paradigm 
switch is important. We still have a long way to go, but the fact that that's really where things are going, you know, the cost of uh, creating a business is cheaper down, down in Detroit right now. And ultimately people are just willing to do the, uh, to do the work. Yeah. And that's something that you don't see often. Everyone's trying to take a shortcut, be, take the lazy way out. And, and like, if you can manage to do that, great. I'm all about efficiency, but at the same time, don't be afraid to do the, do, to do the hard work. Don't, don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. And I haven't seen Detroit being afraid to do that. Yeah. I, I think that the, the number for that is the, um, I would say like this. I think that the caveat to all of that is that we have been a blue collar town because of the auto industry and that work ethic has been ingrained into a lot of people. And you see it in many different facets of many industries, like it, like from postal workers to grocery store workers to, you know, salespeople to, you know, people who work in corporate offices. It's that, that same work ethic is really taken off across sectors, you know, and like, for example, here, you know, used to be a time several years ago where it's like you get on the freeway in the morning, morning 7.30, you know, you, it's like, okay, you know, I can get to work quickly because it's not a lot of traffic. Well, hell, now at 7.45, you deal, you deal with a traffic jam. And I remember that all these years of working downtown, this could be a point where, you know, after work, you know, 5, you know, uh, 5.30, 6 o'clock, 6.30, you got a clear pathway to home on, on I-75 or the lodge. But now it's like you have to it's, it's almost till seven o'clock. You got these rush hours going on. And so it's just proof that people I think because people have reshifted focus, people are work, willing to work even harder because it's, it's new, it's fresh, it's vibrant. Even with companies established like GMs and Blue Crosses of the world, they they know that in order to attract young people, they have to change the culture. And they have, you know, it's still, you know, it, it's um, definitely a lot more young people working for these companies. But the changing of the culture has changed a lot of our society around us, you know, and it's, it's a lot of it's for the good, you know, because it's, it's keeping up with the times and, and now we're catching up to the rest of the world as far as with tech and high tech and different things like that. But like you said, we still have a ways to go because of the ground we're breaking. We're breaking that rust belt stereotype. We, we're going into a whole new territory and it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a growing pain and a process like anything else. And your growth means that you have to have time to grow. And I think Detroit is on that point right now. And, and a few years from now, it's just going to be incredible what, what people are going to be doing and what people will see. I mean, around the world, we're going to be known for innovation like we were a hundred years ago. Um, and so, you know, that's my take on it. Now, in terms of let's switch the focus a little bit to Moby Dev, back to Moby Dev. What are the, what are all the services you provide under Moby Dev? So, so I've actually had to think about this a lot and, so the main three categories are consulting, development, and mentorship. Uh, consulting in the sense of strategy engagement, uh, project management. A lot of people call me and say, hey, I have the million dollar idea. And without trying to roll my eyes, I, uh, you know, I have that gag reflex of like, okay, let's, let's, let's hear this one. Yeah. And uh, you know, a lot of the times people think it's just you know, snap of the finger, uh, we'll make we'll make million dollars, but you know that's far from the truth. And so, the consulting side is really just scoping out what they need, doing the competitive analysis. Is it feasible? How, what what kind of what what kind of costs will go associated with just getting this up and running? Right. Branding, you know, the, the the whole 
everything that goes into just talking about it and planning before even writing any code. Okay. And if they, you know, if they stick with me, you know, out of the consulting side, they'll get some wireframes, they'll get some like plans, uh, roadmap, things that they could go and take to another like dev shop to get built. But my hope is that they would stay with me and hire me to do the actual development, which is the coding, implementation, integration, you know, the whole, the whole, whole construction of the application and everything that goes behind, beyond it. And, and so that's the, that's the other aspect of it where it is the coding services. Okay. Um, and then lastly, there are people who have the idea, but are interested in learning how to do it. Uh, whether it's like learning how to build the business, how to, how to market it, how to do anything, even if it is code or not code, there's different skill sets that are involved in to building a, a business around an app or building an app yeah. around the business. Yeah. And so, and so the mentorship is really just giving them like providing them guidance on like, you know, I might not be the most successful business person, but I understand business work. And then I also have the development background where I can provide them resources on how to learn code, how to build the app and how to go get it ready to go. Because sometimes people go through tutorials and they know how to build the app finally, but they have no process of like, well, how do we get it live? How do we right. manage servers? You know, right. all the other, all the other aspects of it. So, right. so, and I'm really passionate more about the mentorship than the coding nowadays. Um, so I'm really trying to make that a core service. Um, whether it is workshops, whether it's my local meetups that I run, whether it's uh, uh, starting to do online videos and online uh, online education, yeah. I'm not sure exactly where where that goes or where that extends, but it's definitely a, a the main avenue I want to explore on top of the other two. So okay, and I see that uh, what I like too about the fact that you are willing to consult with people because a lot of times um, now I've even had experience myself with a few clients where. You know, people talk to you. Oh, I want to. I want to build a website. Okay, the first question you ask is, "What kind of website?" Well, I don't know, and or they may hem and haul. They they don't really have the idea, but the consulting piece helps them to establish a focus, and it makes it, of course, you know, quite selfishly makes it easier on your, uh, your on your end on the back end as a developer. Now you know what to do, but what I like to do too is give people ideas because that consulting piece really gives them a chance to really, really think about what they want and what they're trying to do. And sometimes you can give them ideas they never thought of before, which is great too. And I think, I think I, you know, I, I, um, in my own little personal suggestion, keep that piece because even, even if they go to somebody else, sometimes it may work out where they don't get what they thought they wanted from the other person. So they may be coming back to you because you know who they are. And I think that also gives you a chance to establish a bond with a potential client. Because then they're, 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 it's a, there's a trust barrier you're breaking, you know what I'm saying? And then you're able to communicate with them, figure out what their likes and dislikes are, and then they they learn how to work with you. You know, it just makes for it just makes for a great relationship, you know. And um, so, in terms of all your growth and coming back to Detroit, what led you to Bamboo, Detroit? Um. So. I actually knew about Bamboo um, uh, from a couple of years ago when they were at Brush Street. Uh, yeah. So when they weren't at the Washington uh, Boulevard location. Right. Um, and during that time, I was all like, when I just 
like discovered them, I was already uh, at a co-working space out in Troy called Bites and Mortar. And that's when I was like starting to freelance and I pulled the trigger on getting a, uh, at, uh, getting a co-working space after I attended like an actual responsive web workshop that someone ran at the office co-working space in Troy. Um, and like from that workshop, I got to like learn some, uh, some of the main things that uh, helped me get to where I am now. Yep. And so I got introduced to that workspace and I realized like, yeah, the limitations of a coffee shop or working from home are just kind of annoying sometimes. And so I pulled the trigger on getting the co-working space. And uh, so I knew that that's how I actually work better. Yeah. Um, and so I actually live in Detroit now and I, li- I moved to Detroit when I was working at an agency downtown and I've been in Detroit uh, since then. And so now that, um, now that I'm trying to go full time at the business, I realize like I can get some work done from my apartment, but still I need that, uh, you know, I need that separation of work and, uh, home. Yeah. Um, and so I reached out to the three co-working uh, spaces in Detroit. We work brand surface and Ban- bamboo. And I approached them because on top of trying to run my business, I wanted to reboot my meetup group that I used to run in 2014 yeah. um, and wanted to get that going with more events and kind of chain that with the whole mentorship style where I would help host like, you know, a code and coffee type of session where people can come and work on their own personal projects or get help on their projects. And so I reached out to all three co-working spaces saying like, this is another part of it. It's not just for me to do my own work, but also to use the space to run my events. And uh, they all were responsive, but Bamboo was really the only one that didn't really care for like me having a well thought out plan. Yeah. Um, and like, they were responsive to like, just letting me run the event. You know, I sat down with Amanda and just explained what I was trying to do. And she said she loved the passion. She loved the idea. And she, you know, she's all about like helping, helping people out, letting them run their events. And, you know, the, the energy, the, the networks that I've met at Bamboo, and I'm sure the other spaces are great, but the, the, the overall response I got from Bamboo was just so welcoming that it was it was hard to pass down to for either or the other. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Amanda is great. Just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person. Um, she's really, you know, a hard worker and she cares a lot about people. And I think that's helped them grow because of, you know, the team there, her, Mike, and the former founders, you know, they really just extended an open invitation to everybody, you know, including myself. When I start first, started first going down there on brush three years ago, you know, they really just opened up arms to me and you and everybody else. And that's what helped them be successful because that's what it's all about is us growing together. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you're part of that family, man. I'm, I really am happy that you came to Detroit and set up your, your flag post right here in the heart of the city, because that's what it's going to take for this city to turn around the way it should and the way it deserves to. And, uh, you know, and, and being involved with tech, you're helping create a whole new really in my opinion a whole new industry that this area has not has not been used to because of the auto industry it was great it was great and good to us for many decades but as times change and as the tech scene has 
pervade has pervasively invaded every other industry around known to man, which I think is just a fascinating thing by itself. You know, the, the, the auto industry finally caught up and like you said, finally woke up and said, okay, we got to change our strategy here. We got to open up to new stuff. And once they did that, the floodgates opened and, and you just had people all over the city creating, creating crazy spaces, crazy things, crazy inventions, just all over the place. It's just a, a bit a, it's become a hotbed for ingenuity and innovation and, and, I think it's just only going to get better, man. You know, and I'm, you know, like I said, I can't say enough. I'm glad that you're part of that. Um, now, in terms of the tech scene itself in Detroit, what's your take on it? You know, between Detroit, the rest of the Michigan of the, as a state and in the Midwest, where do you think the tech scene is now and where you think it's going to go? That's an interesting question. Um, you know, we're in a very crazy time uh, with the Internet. Uh, that, you know, no one understands. I've, you know, I spent the last uh, couple of days listening to Mark Zuckerberg testify in front of the uh, uh, government, uh, Congress, and, uh, you know, just answer some of these questions that these senators have. And, you know, it's quite, it, it, it's quite obvious that most of them don't actually understand how the internet works or how technology is work, working. But we're in an interesting time now where it's hard to ignore that the internet's here. And so, you know, the biggest biggest thing for me is the terminology. When I refer to myself as a mobile developer, most people will think smartphone. Yeah. And it, and that's that's very true. Uh, and that's mostly my, my, my target device. However, the company, the name is actually a play on the word of mobile in terms of like mobility where it's it's like on the go yeah you know uh we 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 build we're building software and and we're working with technology to help people uh not just sit at desks and you know work from that aspect but you know whether they're in their car whether they're walking you know wherever they are going they need to be able to maintain their life and like i speak personally like maybe this is just my generation of being a millennial yeah but you know i can't imagine what i would do without my phone and that's not just to say that i'm hooked on scrolling through facebook feed and stuff but like you know i have alerts i have i i have uh reminders i my android device uh has the do not uh respond mode that goes automatically from like 9 a.m to uh six o'clock so i can say like heads down yeah you know i have a lot of things that are just so like i've been able to automate so many of my processes from my phone yeah. You know, take care of tasks, network, uh, what, what you have it. My, my phone is a very powerful uh, device to my entire, uh, you know, my entire lifestyle. And, and because of that, I, I think that's where I took this play on the words of mobile in the sense of we're not just for phones. We could be for watches. We could be for the Amazon Echoes and Google Voice and sure. all the technology going on. And to me, I think that's where the tech scene is going is, is voice, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, you'll hear, uh, I, I watch a lot of Gary Vee on YouTube and, you know, he talks about this. It's like, we're, we're not, we're, we're sending text messages. We're sending images. We're, send, we're starting to send videos, uh, you know, memes, uh, gifs and all that other stuff. But the biggest thing that is, is going is voice, yeah. right? The fact that we can talk to these smart speakers get things done from them 
while doing whatever we're doing is where we're going. Yeah. We, we are going to have autonomous, autonomous things. I don't even want to just say autonomous vehicles, but we're going to have bots, robots yep. integrated into so of our, our, our life. But that the tech scene is going to be um, interesting. It's going to be efficient, I hope. Uh, but the biggest side of it is not just working on, uh, on those types of new inputs and types of data, but it's also the cybersecurity. Sure. That's going to be what Detroit really needs to invest because I don't think building applications and stuff, like, I don't think it's going to go away, but right. there's obviously going to be their major players, uh, even though there already are the major players. But I think beyond that, it's really the cybersecurity because that's, that's going to be the new thing, right? Like they're going to have, uh, they're going to have so much regulation that needs to be done because it's never going to be like an absolute concrete thing. Right. And, and I think that's what's nerve, like making this area nervous, but also opening up the opportunity for, you know, different businesses. That's why we have dual security that just opened up shop in bamboo. Oh yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, to me, I think the tech space is going towards like voice gestures, the VR, AR, that the whole space of turning, turning digital into a, into like an actual reality. Mm -hmm. um, and, and to do that, we are going to not only have to update our tech scene, like in terms of visual experiences, but also our security. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like you said, it's perfect timing because at the time of this broadcast, folks out there listening, you know, we have dual security, our um, greatest, uh, biggest Michigan tech startup here from based in Ann Arbor. They're moving and having a division, right? Set up shop right in the heart of downtown Detroit in Bamboo's office space. And that'll be even key because entrepreneurs that are members of Bamboo can cons most likely, I'm, I'm thinking they'd probably be consulting directly with dual about security and like you said cybersecurity is the next phase because it, the other part of that you hear all about all these breaches from these large companies i mean whoever thought that a credit agency would have a breach i mean you know they would have it but that massive scale i mean that's where you go to get your own personal information about your credit and the fact that somebody can hack that i mean people can hack anything but just the thought of it is it, very alarming to a lot of people and especially like you say people who don't understand how the internet works you know, because in, in the Internet world, folks, you still have to think of it like this. Anything that's made can be broken. So it's like it's, it's about whether you have the wherewithal to be uh, a person who can grab that crazy glue and, and, and glue it back to fast. Who can who can glue it back the fastest? Well, that crazy glue in many ways is cybersecurity. How fast can you repair what's been broken? Um, and then with dual security, you know, they they. For those of you out here that are not in Michigan or in Detroit who don't know what dual security is doing, they're doing a lot of cybersecurity, and they're so far the uh, largest Michigan-based tech that has, well, they're the first Michigan-based tech that has the largest amount of venture capital funding under their belt already. Um, and, and they're, you know, they also have a billion-dollar valuation under their belt, so, and they're just going to keep growing because the need is there. Um, and then in terms of, non-tech entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, even in the tech industry, where, where do you see the Detroit entrepreneurship scene going on in the future? Hmm. That, that's kind of tough. Um, I guess my, mostly because I only see it and I, I, my, I kind of have like a tunnel vision of tech and then just not tech. 
Yeah. But I, I'm trying to think of what non-tech actually actually looks like to me. Yeah. Um. Uh. I think about that. I think. I mean. So like real estate uh, is not going away anytime right. soon. Car ownership is not going away. Right. But the concept of ownership is, you know, we're we're in this whole sharing economy. Yeah. Um. And so social social entrepreneurship is the big thing of people just helping others uh whether you have a trade skill and you're not just trying to uh you know you're you're not trying to nickel and dime somebody but you're actually generally trying to help them with a skill set or service that you can provide in exchange for something that they can do right and and i think we're kind of going back to that kind of mentality of that's how the world is supposed to be working like we need to be able to work with each other instead of this constant competition of of we got to be the best and we'll do everything we can to be number one. Sure. Um, you know, and the big three is a good example of like those companies need to start working together because they realize, uh, you know, there now there's multiple car manufacturing companies uh, popping up in like different countries. Yeah. So, you know, the, making a car is not revolutionary, uh, but they're starting to you know integrate the computers into cars and. Uh, they're starting to invest in the ride-sharing technologies and realize like transit is not going anywhere soon. But I don't think people are going to be owning cars as uh, as as much as they have been before. Like it was about owning a house, owning a car, you right. know, all that all that stuff. And now that those things, I don't think we're going the same way. Uh, you know, uh, I remember at my last company that I worked for. Uh, my boss, like he just got married and instead of getting a house, which is what they were looking at, they ended up going for a condo because that's uh, the the lot that was supposed to be under construction. They decided to change from building houses to condos. Mm-hmm. And it's because people want to buy that stuff. They don't really want to maintain a whole house. Right. They want someone to shovel the snow, mow their lawn, all that other stuff. And they just want a place to just live. And so that's, you know, to me, that's kind of uh, a, the turning point yep. is owning these things don't, isn't a, isn't the goal anymore. People are, are all about uh, minimalizing and just uh, becoming more digital nomads and that kind of uh, approach. Yeah. And it's, just like, it's like almost like everybody's trying to find a way. And they're in like a, a, a state of fishing for and searching for a way to be as simple as possible. You know, keeping it simple, stupid. That's the seems like that's a, a lot of people have that moniker now. So, which is good, you know, because the basics of life are important. And you know, the simpler life you live, probably the happier you may be in most cases. But you're right, we're going back to basics, and I think that's very, very key. You know, that's very, very key. No, and, and, and like, I'm, I'm, I'm an example of it. Like, uh, I didn't have a car for about a year and a half in Detroit uh, yeah. because I was walking to work un, until I switched jobs and I had, I needed a car. Yeah. And during that time, I didn't, I didn't have a car. I used uh, Shipt, yeah. uh, the delivery system for getting groceries. And, and now that I still have a car, I still use Shipt because it's just more convenient for me to just put a quick order together and then I can still work and then someone else is just going to drop off the groceries for me. So I don't have to go move my car and drive and uh, like take any of that stuff. I can kind of multitask. And that's, 
that's where we're really moving towards is we need to be able to do more than one thing at a time. Yep. It's becoming a requirement now. And um, even, yeah. even on the job, you got to be multitasking. You got to be doing several things at once. And, you know, it's, it's, it just feels like the more the technology advances, the faster the rest of our lives becomes too, even in not working. I mean, if you're a tech person, and you're not working. I mean, think about, like you say, when you're going home, you cook, you think about grocery shopping, cooking, washing clothes, all these different things. And sometimes you're doing all that at once. So it's, it's right. just becoming a sign of the times, man. Well, we're getting running out of time here. So um, before we go, I need to get your contact information and what's the name of the website for Moby Dev? Uh, so I bought the domain finally uh, a few months ago, themobydev.com. Okay. Um, and that's the best way to contact me. However, the website is under development right now. Okay. Uh, so email is the real best way to contact me. And so it's my first name, Amit, A-M-I-T, at themobydev.com. And that is the best way to contact me uh, because I'm very responsive to my emails. Wonderful. Well, I thank you, Amit, for your time. Appreciate you being on the podcast, sir. It was a great conversation. And for all you out there listening, you have an interest in mobile development. Maybe you have an idea or maybe you already have an existing website. You need some development for your mobile side of your, your what you're doing. Uh, make sure you contact Amit. Great guy. Very smart. Very reasonable. Very uh, guy who work who work with you on anything. But make sure you contact him at the email he just listed. Um, and with that being said, thank you, Amit, for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, sir. Appreciate your time. Thank you for having me on here. Uh, I'm excited to see who else you are going to bring on. Oh, yeah. Actually, we got some more people lined up. So, folks, please subscribe to the Doers Network. Stay tuned. Got more in store for you for the rest of the year. And with that being said, you're listening to the Doers Network. I'm Donald Robinson, your host once again. And thank you for listening to the Doers Network, where actives grow and thrive. You've just been listening to our interview with Mr. Amit Rathi, an astounding young entrepreneur, forward thinker, and web developer. If you want to reach him directly, once again, you can reach him at Amit, A-M-I-T, at themobidev, T-H-E-M-O-B-I-D-E-V, dot com. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Bamboo Detroit, located in the heart of downtown Detroit. Bamboo Detroit specializes in co-working space and amenities for entrepreneurs and forward thinkers. Bamboo Detroit, where we do more together because Detroit is for doers. We appreciate your support by subscribing to our podcast right here on the Doers Network. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Doers Podcast, where actives grow and thrive. The Doers Podcast is produced by Bamboo Detroit Network. For more information, visit us at BambooDetroit.com.